0: Folks, welcome into another episode of the Orlando Soccer Show. It is Wednesday, April nineteenth. Gavin Eubank here with you today, and joining me for the first time in a few weeks, it's Mike Garajo, managing editor, founder of the Orlando Soccer Journal. Mike, how's it going? Thanks for joining well, us.
1: What's, what's up? What's up? Yeah, you know we was a I think it was a last minute substitution. Uh, uh, because Kyle is not with us today. Um, Austin was fired and uh, <laughs> you know so it was a last minute of substitution um, but you know I'm always here ready to to put the boots on and and uh kick it with with uh, the Orlando soccer show to talk some Orlando City Orlando Pride or OCB um, and just soccer in general with you guys
0: <laughs> yeah we are our, our availability sheet on the uh you know questionable probable it's it's pretty long this week like you said Kyle's out he's got a lot going on uh in his professional life so couldn't make it. But that's fine. We got Mike and I. We're going to talk everything Orlando City from the weekend, City, Pride, and yeah, maybe we'll throw some OCB in there as well. But let's kick off with Orlando City. They were in Minnesota over the weekend taking on Adrian Heath. One of the things that, you know, I'll kind of get this out of the way before we go into it. Do you still consider Adrian Heath as the former Orlando city manager, or when you think of Adrian Heath, do you think of Adrian Heath, the Minnesota United manager?
1: It's a good question. I th- I think kind of both. I mean, I don't think you can really ever negate what Adrian was able to do during his time at Orlando city. I think he cemented his legacy. Uh, he's a legend here within the supporters, um, the Orlando city supporters. So I don't think that will ever change. Obviously you can't also deny the fact that he's, he's been with Minnesota United for Quite some time now. I think he's going into his... I mean, I've not been counting, but he's he's well over four seasons at Minnesota United. Um, and he's been... I mean, obviously, the, the the team hasn't won anything since he's been there. I mean, obviously, no offense, but um, they've been able to make the playoffs, um, you know, in a more consistent basis. Probably not the first season, but, you know, uh, the last few seasons, Minnesota has had... Has had a presence in the playoffs, and then if I can recall, and if you can help me here, Gavin, they were in the Western Conference Finals not too long ago as well. So, you know, I, I think it's it's a it's a bit of both. You know, he's 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 he'll always be that former Orlando City coach, and he he's right now that Minnesota United coach. Who obviously, when, when once you reach so many years at one club, you, you the name kind of builds recognition across the league. You know, any you, you mentioned Adrian Heath. Amongst any MLS fan bases, they'll they'll I'm pretty sure they'll instantly say, "Oh, the Minnesota United coach." So it's a tad of both. But it was a good game last Saturday. Obviously for him, it wasn't that great because they 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 conceded pretty late against Orlando City. But um, you know, Adrian is the man. Inchi in is a legend here in Orlando and uh, a a a figure across MLS. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and like you said, Minnesota has been not one of the top tier teams in the west since they've joined major league soccer but after a couple of those really bad years to start they've definitely been consistent and right there within the playoff picture every year but i mostly asked just because several times on the broadcast i don't know if you've heard they kept saying like this is a special game an emotional game for adrian heath for me i feel like it's like you said this is his like seventh season in minnesota i feel like the time has come long enough where yeah you know there's probably some emotion for him but at least from from my perspective it's uh yeah i i, it's I think at some different. point
1: that i think at some point that narrative has to in a way kind of pass pass down or die down because um, i think the first few seasons um when i think when when he came to orlando for the first time after he was sacked i, I can see that storyline being relevant um they played each other a few more times afterwards but i think that storyline of You know, him coming back to Orlando, everyone knows, even he admits it, it'll never change. Him coming, him playing against Orlando will always be emotional. Um, I don't think it's, it's worthy to kind of harp on it so many times. Um, Because we already know what Orlando means to him. He was, he, he was a, a, a founding coach here, if you can say that in Orlando. And he won various titles during the USL era. Um and he was the inaugural. Um, he was the, the inaugural. He was the coach for their inaugural season in Major League Soccer. So, um, you know, big ups to him for that. Uh, but I, I don't know. I I'm I'm more a I'm more in favor of just kind of dying that narrative, uh, or putting that narrative away because it's I think it's it's already pa- past that at this point.
0: Yeah, it, it's almost like if you kept referring to like. Anytime Pep Guardiola is like going up against Bayern or Barcelona, it's like, oh, like an emotional game. Like, yeah, he was there, but I'm, you know, I'm sure it means different things to him now. But uh turning our attention to the match, like you said, started out for a good night for Adrian Heath and his Minnesota United team. They were the better team for much of the first half, controlling a lot of possession. They were really stifling Orlando City's ability to, to move the ball, especially through the middle of the field. And then it's early in the second half, Minnesota United. They score first. Um, across into the box, Bangakule Longwane with the 58th minute goal puts Orlando ahead, beats Ivan Angulo on that back shoulder. And we'll kind of talk about Orlando in the lineup a little bit, but that was definitely not the first time that Ivan Angulo was beat on that rough side of the field, and which led to you know a lot of good chances for Minnesota, especially one that was in like the very first minute of the match. He gets beat right off the shoulder, right off the bat. It was a bad touch um, that, the, that the attacker had that really cost Minnesota a pretty early goal. But Orlando responds eight minutes later. Iván Angulo coming in from the right side hits across, or Gastón González hits across, goes all the way across the face of goal, and it's Angulo from kind of a tight angle. A very impressive goal. He gets it up, up just enough to go over the keeper but stay underneath the crossbar. That levels it up, and then Duncan Maguire. In the 88th minute, it's, again, same thing. Ball goes out to the right side. Ivan Angulo tries to do the same thing, essentially. Just hits it a little bit softer this time. And this time, it bounces off the crossbar. Comes down and just similar to his first goal that he scored in D.C. like a month or two, you know, a month and a half ago. Duncan McGuire's there. He knocks it home. Orlando City 2, Minnesota 1. And the Lions pull out a pretty impressive victory to go in to Leon's field, a place that has been, you know, a pretty good place for the Loons to play. They had undefeated so far in two games this year and Orlando scores two goals on them to come away with the three points. What's funny about this result is that Orlando gets the victory, but you could also say that for pretty decent chunk of the match, it almost felt impossible to see that happening. No,
1: it's a, I mean, you if you've if, if we, obviously if, if uh, for the the view, uh, listeners that kind of followed Orlando since the start of the season, goals have been really hard to, to come by for this team. Um, I mean, if you were to ask me, if, did I picture Orlando scoring two goals against Minnesota? I'll probably tell you no, maybe one goal or no goals, because uh, the team has struggled offensively. Say, not to
0: mention Minnesota coming into this game had only given up five goals in their first six games and that was one goal better than Orlando City one of the best defenses in MLS coming up to this point point.
1: and that, you know that adds another uh you know another reason why I, I would you know beg to differ that um I would never have, I've, I never would have imagined them scoring more than one goal, but they did um I know we uh, you know it, it was weird because Obviously, they went into the bye week after that loss against Nashville. Disappointing loss, too, because it was at home. Uh, uh, Really disappointing defeat against Nashville. Because this was a Nashville team at that point that wasn't scoring for two straight games. And then all of a sudden, they scored, what, three? Was it 3-1 that that game ended against Nashville? Um, So the team went, you know, left disappointed, went into the bye week. Oscar Pereja, after that game against Nashville, said that, you know, they're going to take this bye week to kind of bring the team together analyze discuss if they have to do any changes into the lineup they have to I think he was hinting a lot at what you know he was gonna go to and I think you know it came to fruition whatever he was predicting because the team did make some changes they went in th- they went into uh 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 a three-man back line uh uh against uh Minnesota United and you know it was it was it was really strange because a three-man back line, you know, first time you see it rolled out this season. They rolled it out at the, during the preseason, um, and they struggled for the for the most part. For the first twenty minutes, Minnesota was just swinging, 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 just uh, creating chances after chances, um, and it looked like Orlando was gonna concede pretty early. Obviously, Orlando were able to hold off Minnesota. I called it the the rope of dope in our in our Discord group that Orlando hit them with because they were just taking the shots. And then after 20 minutes, they adjusted a little bit and they pretty much, pretty much were able to put some, uh, at least make the game a little bit more even sided. Obviously they Minnesota scored early, um, scored first in the 58th. I think that fell a little bit more on tactical awareness because Ivan Angulo got beat, but then they just cemented again into the game. Able or able to find pockets of spaces, a lot of pockets of spaces because both goals were pretty much similar. And they, they, they pretty much put the game away. So it was a game where, you know, uh, you saw an Orlando side that, you know, you didn't know at first what you were going to expect from them because they were, they were struggling offensively um, for the most part of the first few games of the season. Then Oscar rolls out a different formation. It looked ugly as well. But then they adjusted. They adjusted, I, I think, pretty well. And they were able to hit Orla- uh, Minnesota on two goals that were pretty much off the run of play. Mm-hmm. And, that was pretty much the story right there. And and I think that was key right there for to the victory, that they were able to you know, not quickly retreat and go back to a four man back because they kept that three man back line for the full ninety minutes. I think it was a testament to to that to to Oscar going with that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go with that similar type of formation. I don't think the similar lineup, who knows? But they go with that similar formation against D C United, which is another team that uh, obviously is looking to Continue its impressive form on the road against Orlando this Saturday.
0: Yeah, no, like you said, so Orlando comes out with a pretty different tactical game plan than we've seen from them. They use the three back. We saw it at times during the preseason, um, but we never, we haven't seen it in the regular season yet. So they come out. Antonio Carlos is back, by the way, makes his first start of the year alongside Robin Jansen and Rodrigo Schlegel. You've got Ivan Angulo and Gaston Gonzalez as the wingbacks. Cesar Arujo and Mauricio Pereira in the midfield kind of playing the 6-8 and eight role, you know, right there. Um, Arujo obviously stays deeper in front of the back line and, you know, Pereira's going, you know, box to box in that sense. And then you've got that three-man, that three-headed beast on paper of iva, of Facundo Torres, Ramirez Enrique, and Martino Ojeda And so on paper, this is probably, you know, maybe the most dangerous lineup that Orlando City can go at. You know, we've talked about a lot, obviously, we know how much talent this team has offensively. And it's always been a matter of, well, how is Oscar gonna get those players on the field? Because you obviously, I mean, you could start seven attacking players, but that's not necessarily good for you. Um, and he goes for it in this game, and he basically says, "Here's five, six attacking players. I'm gonna have five. I'm gonna have five guys who are basically forwards, wingers, whatever you want to call them. I've got Mauricio Pereira in the midfield, kind of orchestrating this, and we're just gonna do what we're gonna do here. And it doesn't necessarily work early on." Um, you know, like I've said, Orlando struggled to get the ball in the middle. I think what Orlando wants to do is they want to play out of the back. They're they're not a team that's does a lot of very quick possession buildups. They're very patient and calm. They're they're going to wait for those opportunities. But Minnesota did a very good job of basically flooding the midfield. When you see either Pereira or Arujo getting the ball, there's immediately near those two five defenders almost circling them closing off any of those passing lanes but as the game no, it's uh, go on
1: no no it's it it, it, it and you, you you brought up a good point there too because and it, and it can be frustrating at times when they're a team that loves to build off the back no um mm-hmm. they, they it's it's like i think it's part of their dna at this point but the way they were able to kind of and it goes back to the, that adjustment of playing in the three. I think it gave them more of a vertical edge or a more, you know, it, they were more offensively strong, but defensively still average. Yeah. In, we saw it expose aspects.
0: them at times. Like I've said, especially with the wingbacks, Yvonne Angulo was doing very good at getting forward and back. But because you have all those guys forward, it did leave them pretty exposed at times.
1: Yeah, no. It, and it, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, how they. Adjust even more. I'm pretty sure they're gonna look over tape this week, or they already looked over tape, um, uh, from last weekend, um, uh, heading into Saturday's game, because there is there is room for improvement. There is a lot to build on, um, because it was it was it a great game? I, I don't I don't I don't think it was a great game, um, uh, tactically, but I mean it was enough to get the result. Um, you know what they did. What Orlando did not do was. You know, play for the draw. Uh, you know, they they went for the win. Um, bringing in Dogger Don, who's always a uh uh you know, he's just a fresh air of. He just he that guy's just a baller at this point. You know, whether you start him or you you know get him off the bench, he he's he's going to perform pretty well. And then even Duncan Maguire, mind you, he came in as a player off the bench and scored a goal. And then there was one play where he could have made it three one. I don't know if you can recall that play, but. He could have made a three one, but instead of going taking the ball into the area, he kind of just dragged it over to the corner and, <laughs> and wasted pretty time. So the team showed a little bit of good time management as well, because the last thing you want is you know you know fail on a opportunity and then get hit on the counter, which what, he proved to be an Achilles heel for Orlando um, last Saturday um, when it came to those uh, counters from Minnesota.
0: Absolutely, and so you mentioned Duncan McGuire. I guess we'll just kind of get the elephant out of the way here. He's got two goals. Urchankara did return to the lineup from his injury. And you could say he probably didn't play because he's still, you know, the Oscars are seeing him back from injury, which is fair. But we haven't really seen much of him this season outside of that. You know, Ramiro Enrique hasn't been overly impressive as well. But like we talked about before we started recording the way that Oscar uses him sort of at times kind of like a false nine where he's dragging defenders around. He's slipping in to create space for the guys around him. He does a lot of things off the ball that help Orlando city um, that aren't necessarily scoring or creating chances, which he hasn't really done, but it's fine. Um, and then, like I said, you have Duncan with two goals. Is there the the hierarchy is not as far as strikers go. The hierarchy is not what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. Right.
1: I mean, you really would have thought that Caro was gonna be the the facto starting striker heading into the season, because mm-hmm. he didn't have a bad season last year at all no, either. No. He had, he had, double he digit had a goals. quiet, yeah. Exactly It was a very. I, I like to call it a quiet ten plus goal season, which is not bad either. Um, but you know, considering you're a DP striker and considering how how unpatient this fan base could be at times, you know, they 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 want more. They, they they want more and and you know I, I think there was a lot more i think the expectation even grew on Cara. but you know injuries got in the way um inconsistency sets in and your oscar you you, you need to pretty much in a way kind of figure it out and and i think the his way of figuring it out was you know what? Let's get Ramiro Enrique. I think Ramiro Enrique right now is is your starting striker. Whether he's your starting striker, or your starting false nine striker, whatever you want to call it, because you kind of hit it there. He's he's a he's not your traditional nine where he he's gonna probably score goals. I don't even, he hasn't even scored a goal yet this season. He hasn't been really that impressive this season. But what Ramiro Enrique has done that's been impressive. Um, let me you know I don't want to contradict myself. He I don't want to say he hasn't been impressive. I think he hasn't been impressive to the point where you know you, you know you would expect him to score goals but he's been impressive in in another type of aspect with Orlando he is that type of striker that will you know uh, stretch plays create space set balls create chances um what you would expect from a number 9 striker before we hit it we before we started recording i was kind of joking that uh Ramiro Enrique is like the Olivier Giroud of Orlando City where you know maybe a, a shorter version uh, cuz Olivier Giroud gets a lot of heat for not being that Sexy striker,
0: if He's a sexy just striker,
1: just not on the field. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. So uh, you, you know, he's he's not maybe not that, that that sexy striker that's gonna go one v one against a player and, and score a, an insane goal. But he is a player that will drift players, create spaces, step plays, which is Ramiro Enrique does. And I said it before we started recording, Gavin, and I'm gonna say it here to our our, our listeners: when Ramiro Enrique scores his first goal, it's gonna be a banger. Cause that's what Olivier Giroud does too. He scores bangers. You know, you, you you give that guy a good ball, he's gonna hit that volley with a lot of with a lot of sexiness, a lot of swagger, and uh, that's gonna come from Ramirez Enrique. But you know, Ramiro Enrique, that's and I think that's a good thing. That's that's I think that's it's Oscar has, you know, a good problem if you want to call it. You have Ramirez Enrique as your your starting nine, even though you can kind of say he's a false nine. But now you have. Duncan McGuire that you can rely on as well, a, a rookie forward who really is just, I think this game, and I think he's only going to get better because he looked really, really good. Duncan McGuire for those few minutes that he came in, his hold of play was just impeccable against Minnesota United. The way he was able to hold off players, the way he was able to hold on to possession of the ball, the way he was able to just to be very, very tactically aware of where the, the, the offense was going. You, you normally really don't get that from Urchon and, and And obviously, I don't want to be down on the guy. But he doesn't really get that many looks as well because he's not that type of striker. He's your type of striker where he's a target nine. You put the ball in the area for him and he's going to put it away. And that's what you expect from him. But, you know, it, it, Duncan McGuire is a different breed. And I think he's only getting better. He's a good number two. Heck, if he, gets, if he keeps getting even better going into the summer, he may be your starting number nine. Which is going to be a good thing because now you have Ramiro Enrique. You you know you already know the type of characteristics he brings as a as a player as well when it comes to the offense.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, the, like you said, with Maguire, his hold up play, his his awareness to just know where he should be and where the best position is going to be for him. You know, he might not be the kind of guy who's like Kyle Aaron, where he can hit a shot from any range, any distance. And then again, we haven't seen that necessarily from Duncan because both of his goals have been within five yards of the puck or five yards of the goal. Um, but yeah, no, so many options for Oscar Pereira. And and like I said, it kind of goes back to what this whole lineup showed is that Oscar has, and it's, it's a very good problem to have. He has so many pieces where like, so, um, Mauricio Pereira, like you said, from training on Tuesday says like, we've got a few different ways that we can attack at these teams now. Like, this is not just, we don't have necessarily a set way to play a set formation, a set starting 11 even like there are so many interchangeable pieces and like you said especially as the season goes on
1: i'm curious to know if that's just the poker face that they're Mm -hmm. (laughs) that Mauricio's throwing because if 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 they have now two sets of formations that can play what what's making you not think that there's three or four or five right because you know you that was a problem last year orlando played traditionally what a four two three one Mm -hmm. and they got figured out pretty quickly by the opponent. If you're, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just only two formations. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. But, you know, what? what's making you not think that, you know, there's more cards in that deck that uh that Oscar pray can deploy with his lineup. So, you know, it, it's it's a good thing to have. It's a good thing. And Mauricio touched on it on, um, during Tuesday's training session that, you know, the team has been training like that for quite a while now. They put it in full display last weekend it worked well i i i think they'll go with that same formation again on
0: against dc united yeah and so two more quick things before we move on to that dc united game one is martino Heda ever going to take a good shot on goal or is he ever going to pass up taking a shot on goal when there might be a better spot next to him because that seems to be I so. Know. I have one specific moment. It was in like the seventh minute of the match. Ball pops down to him. He takes a step and from like 30 yards out, tries to hit it. Now, it wins Orlando a corner because the ball was deflected. But he had Ivan Angulo open to his right. He, It's one of the things that I've kind of harped on in here. And listen, like shooters are going to shoot. And you got to put the ball on, at the goal to score it, which is fine. But sometimes it feels like he's trying too hard to hit the to make the highlight real rather than just saying maybe I should pick my head up and see if there's some a better option next to me first.
1: I think it's just confidence that he he, he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he does have a shot. It, it, if it's on target, then, you know, credits to him. If it's not on target, then credits to Carlos Rivas, no? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, he, it's, it's pure confidence, I think. Um, yeah, he, he – he he just loves when when the ball is at him and he tries to comfort that ball so he can hit it with his left foot. Um, I think at some point you know, and I think he does. I mean, he's a professional. I'm pretty sure he knows. You know the the, the his teammates that are around him, um, and maybe it's something that it's been harped on to him as well during training sessions when they look at when they look at film. Um, but it's it, you know it. it if he knows that he has options around him, then, you know, uh, any player would you know, pass the ball to a a player that's waiting on the wings or waiting inside, of, of the field. Um, uh, but I I think it just falls falls on confidence. I think he's just trying to, he's just trying to hit it. And obviously, if he is able to to find the target, he's able to force the keeper. Then he's doing his job. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna stop. Hitting the ball uh, from long distance, he I think he I think he possesses it, and I, and I think he's still adjusting to this league as well. So I think once he gets fully adjusted to how this league really, really uh, plays, or how this league kind of unfolds around him, I think he'll he'll find his footing. And I th- so I I think this is the Martino that the team signed. So I think it's part of his characteristics that he's gonna hit those balls and. It's up to him obviously to to finish those plays and if it, if it ends up being a banger then it ends up being a banger if not then obviously you have incidents like like how you mentioned it, it goes out for a corner it, it's a, you know another chance created for Orlando and and um, the team moves on so it's a good thing and I don't, I don't want to say it's necessarily a bad thing but it's it's a, a thing you can kind of work on to 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 better your 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 teammates around you
0: yeah, and I think what's good with these guys, too, is it, it looks pretty clear that Oscar has given them the freedom to to do what they're going to do. Um, and he talked about it, especially after the match. You know, like I've said, that you have these three, they, they pick these three guys up there, um, but there were times where it still looks like they are thinking a little bit singularly. As opposed to working together. And that's just one of the things that takes time. So as Oscar says, quote, as we've spoken about, it's not easy to glue a team who has that many new players as we do. But we also know that we have to have urgency to get results. And not just that, but make them feel like they're connected and they're educated on our ways and what we recommend them to do, end quote. So to me, that basically says, like, we're we're telling these guys, you know, this is what we suggest, you should do out there, but it, it also feels like he's given them a little bit of wiggle room to these obviously very talented players. He wants them to use that talent when the players are, you know, judging that it's best for them.
1: Of course. Of course. No, it's, it's really, it's going to be interesting to see how this team really just plays with that, that freedom that Oscar's giving them. Cause uh, he is, I think it goes down even to the simplest things. Uh, Who's the, going to be the penalty taker. And Oscar said in the past that, he lets his players uh, pretty much decide amongst themselves. Obviously, Maurice Pereira, the captain, very focal, very well-respected in the locker room. Um, if he needs to weigh in on that decision, then he weighs in. And then whatever the decision is, the players are, are known to respect it. I think by now we kind of know who the go-to penalty um, penalty, uh, who's going to, who would normally take the penalty kick for Orlando. And it's Facundo Torres. Um, But you know, if, if needed, who's going to be the second one? Then I think it's, it's you know, it's amongst themselves to decide it. In. And that goes with the liberty that Oscar pretty much gives his players whenever they're on the field.
0: For sure. All right, well, let's look our attention to the weekend now. Orlando is back against DC United. We just saw them a few weeks ago. Here they go again for their second and final matchup of the year. This time it's at Explorer Stadium, Saturday at 730 DC, listen, I mean, we've talked about it, you know, like you said, Orlando, we're starting to see them turn a page almost. It kind of feels like like they're, they're getting the wheels under them, and this is a good opportunity against a DC United team that is, obviously, on paper, much weaker than Orlando. Since that 1-1 draw in DC in mid-March, DC has lost to New York, they have lost to New England, they drew DC, they lost to Columbus. And then just this past weekend, they did get a 1-0 win on the road in Montreal. But we also know that Montreal is maybe one of, if not the worst team in the Eastern Conference this season. So nothing to be proud about if you're Wayne Rooney and DC United. However, I say all of this with the caveat that Orlando City at Exploria Stadium is anything but a sure thing in terms of expecting a good performance. So if you're Orlando... Or, you know, even if you're just Mike Grimajo thinking about this match, how are you looking at this one? Is this is this a game that Orlando City, I don't want to say must win because it's there's obviously not a must win game. But these are three points that you should take, right? You
1: should. I mean, you, 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 ex- no, I don't want to say you should, you, you expect to take. Um right. But Orlando has been struggling at home since even last season. I I liked how you said it that this team is trying to turn the page and and I think I want to emphasize and italicize trying to turn the page, right? Because they need to turn the page. They got to win. Great, beautiful. You got to win a, a, on the road against Minnesota, but you need to start. You need to start stringing some victories together at some point this season, which is something Orlando hasn't really done at all. They haven't got back to back wins at all yet this season. I I think if you if you 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 you, you were you were if you were able to get three points against DC United at a home, that guess what? In as 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 obvious as it sounds, you have now six points in two games in your last two games. That's better than three points in 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 two games, right? So you need to start stringing up, stringing these games together. Um, DC United is a team that obviously you you don't want to underestimate. I think the last time Orlando and they verbally admitted they underestimated a team was against Charlotte, where they lost. But you know, you, you, at this point, you know the the way they played, the, I, they 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 weren't bad against Minnesota United. They were, you know, relatively good. There were some good sequences in and out of that game. If they're able to build off that victory and 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 bring some of that performance against DC United, I think I think Orlando can get the victory. Obviously, Antonio Carlos is back into the mix. He got his first start. I think he played pretty well. For his uh, for his uh, really good starting. long
0: ball that yeah. set up that first Orlando that goal. goal. Yeah,
1: and it sh- and it shows a little bit of what Orlando was missing during his uh his absence. Rodrigo Schlegel, obviously, you know, not normally your no- starting striker, but he you gotta give him credit in a way. He he's kind of held down uh that back line in Antonio Carlos's absence. Um, but now that you have Antonio Carlos back in the mix, and if you do run a three man back line. I think you have enough security in the defense because you also have Robin Johnson as well, who is a really great defender as well. Then you know if you're able to to to, to in a way put this team in sync and, and allow them play with some type of fluidity against a DC United team that is not relatively that great. Um, I think you can get some. You can get three points. I mean, if if they get a draw out of this, I I, I really don't know. Uh, it, it 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 it's gonna be disappointing. Um, do you do you mix up the 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 lineup again? A loss obviously is just I don't know that, that just throws me into like what is going on. Hmm. This team needs to figure it out. But it, it but it goes back to you know what the the right now the, the narrative is across um uh, MLS. You know. It, Anyone can make the playoffs right now, mm-hmm. Gavin. I think you. I think you know that. Right. <laughs> the LA Galaxy, right. in a way, kind of setting the bar there. Like, if we don't, if um, they're the president, uh, Chris Klein's. What was he saying that if if we don't make the playoffs, well, I'll step down. But it's like you, anyone. You know, is it eighteen teams out of the twenty nine right. make the the playoffs. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. But it, obviously, a win, a win is always great. A win puts everything more into context. I think Orlando. Has it been really that bad at all this season? Uh, relative, if you compare it to like how the Montreals have been, how DC United has been, um, I say I, I say this with with everything, but I obviously it's so soccer so unpredictable. I think this could be Orlando's game to win, or Orlando has a, a lot to a lot to a lot to to win, and if it doesn't go their way, I mean. I I I'll I'll say it right here I'll be in the show next week. <laughs> um, if if they win, then obviously it's great for them. They because they're they're still pretty punch. Obviously, they're not top of the table in the Eastern Conference, but they're in that that top th- those top teams in the Eastern Conference. So a win only solidifies what type of team they are. Um, and obviously it's just a matter of just building building on these wins because uh y- at some point you have to start building. Um, back-to-back wins, three wins in a row, four wins in a row. It it has to happen at some point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, especially the home games are the ones because we, you know, Orlando has been good on the road this year, but we know that playing on the road in major league soccer is not easy. And so those home games are the ones that you have to win. Um, And the fact that they've lost the last two does not bode well for them, obviously, but listen, things change. Um, That said, the last time DC came to Orlando on July 4th of last year, they beat Orlando 5-3, so they've got Orlando's number, um, that's for sure. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, also playing this Saturday, but let's turn our attention back to last Saturday now, the Orlando Pride. Ugh, you know, what do you say about this team? They're 0-3 now, a 2-0 loss at home to Gotham, and and let's be fair to them. It is a It was a tough loss, you know, not almost a gut punch, essentially, when you look at the the timing of these goals, um, Midge Purse with a penalty kick late in stoppage time, and then Lewin Williams um, with the dagger at, what was it, almost the 100th minute. They were two of the latest goals in NWSL history, both of them in stoppage time. Um, VAR getting Orlando in this one, getting the better of them. But, I mean, all in all, so you are at home. Um, but you couldn't see pretty much the whole first half of the match because of a league-wide outage on Paramount+. Plus. So, from what you did see in this game, I mean, the stats... So, I also only have stats for the second half because they weren't, you know, the game or whatever, just wasn't uh, computing them. 62-38 possession in favor of Gotham. They were outshot, or Orlando was outshot, 15-6. Um, to Two shots on goal, four for Gotham. Eight to two, the corner corner kick advantage. This team can't score. <laughs> Simply put, it sounds like you know they're they're struggling right now.
1: I don't think this team has an identity yet, and, and that's just obviously with with all due respect with with a with an objective observation from what I've seen. I think they I think they need to. I think they're still trying to figure themselves out. I think it was really good on Seb to to start uh Kaylee Collins but I think Anna Morehouse is injured I'm not quite sure but Kaylee Collins had a really good going despite obviously the loss you know, obviously you never want to concede two late goals especially deep into stoppage time but you know it, it it's it's obviously it's it, I don't know I do I do I expect this Pride to to make the playoffs no do I expect them to put up a fight at some point this season yes mm-hmm. um how they're going to put up that fight, I'm not sure. Um, Seb Hines said it prior to the season that, you know, he's wanting his players to make a name for themselves. And they haven't made the name for themselves. I think they're at some point they're going to have to start swinging and swinging and swinging until they start hitting some – they start knocking out some teams. <laughs> um Obviously, they got Challenge Cup on Wednesday. Obviously, we're recording on a Tuesday. Um I don't think they're gonna do very much against. uh, I don't think they're gonna do very well in in Challenge Cup. And again, that's just my honest observation. Surprise me if if the Pride can do if the Pride can really uh, impress in the Challenge Cup, then you know I applaud them because I I, the the fan base really deserves it. This team historically hasn't been that great. Um, obviously besides the drama, unfortunate drama. You know, with what happened last year, um, with during the Mark Skinner era, uh, the 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 uh, the heavy rotating door of of players coming in and out. I th- I uh, I just hope this this team really figures it out and gets an identity because, you know, that I do believe that women's soccer needs to 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 be triumphed here in Orlando. I, I, wouldn't it be great to have a a, a a really great men's team and a really great women's team? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I think that's, that's that's a that's something that everyone aspires. I'm pretty sure the club aspires that as well. <laughs> when you include the the youth setup as well, but um, it's been yeah, it's it's it, you look at the game against Gotham. Yeah, Gotham was the better team. Gotham, um, obviously, yeah, they scored two late goals. But you know, when you play really res- relatively great throughout the whole game. I think you're worthy of those two goals, even if one of those goals was controversial because yeah. it was a penalty yeah. kick that went to a r. But then you concede a second goal. I think that was just a mentality collapse there. And you need to be mentally strong until the final whistle. That's something that I was told when I used to play youth <laughs> soccer. You need to play until the final whistle. You need to be mentally strong. And obviously the team um, weren't able to to really hold on to that uh, mentality. And they conceded that single.
0: Yeah. So 100th minute was with mid Perth's goal, penalty kick went in. And the 107th minute is when Lynn Williams went in. So 17, over 17 minutes of stoppage time. That's pretty insane. Um, but like you said, it's the penalty, the VAR that goes against them. And and listen, that is one thing that Seb Hines talked about after the game is that you can't, you have to take those decisions out of the referee's hands. And, and yeah, we can sit here and talk about whether... You know, the referees are ruining the game or not, or they're inserting themselves, but at the same time, like you as the team on the field have the opportunity to take that away from the referees, to take anybody else out of the game, to be able to decide the game for you. And, and Seb says, and we quote, you know, we were in it the whole way, and then, you know, a call doesn't go, go our way, and it changes the result. We had a lot of opportunities to score, we just didn't take them. That leaves Gotham a chance to win the game, so you've got to take your opportunities when they present themselves, end quote. So, I mean, he's saying it right there. Like, listen, they they had they had the chances, they didn't take them, and because of that, ultimately end up losing the game. And you can blame the ref, sure, but like I said, it's the players that are ultimately playing to win or lose the game. So, um, a couple of notes, like you said, Kaylee Collins gets her first start of the year in goal, uh, Vivian Vort- Villacorta as well as Megan Montefusco also making their 2023 debuts for the Pride. Um, you know, looking ahead, now you've got, like you said, a double game week this week. The Challenge Cup on Wednesday, and then they go back to league play on Saturday against um, Kansas City. So the bright side is that they, all three of these teams, Orlando Uh, North Carolina and Kansas City they are the three bottom teams in the league so it helps that they're not playing another LA or San Diego this week you've got uh, North Carolina on Wednesday in the Challenge Cup that game is at home at Explorer Stadium at seven o'clock you know this is a good opportunity it's the Challenge Cup they have a big bonus this year. I think it's like a million dollar winning you know winning bonus for winning it presented by uh, UKG the cha- the sponsor of the challenge cup. So I mean there's a lot of pressure or a lot on the line to win these games. They're not necessarily meaning us now and I think you're going to see the pride use this as an opportunity to try to salvage something from this season. And then you go uh over the weekend I believe the game is in Portland or I'm sorry in Kansas City I could be wrong but they have a game against Kansas City the only other team in the league that has not scored a point so far this season so these are the opportunities you know and we thought that this was going to be another opportunity Gotham is not considered one of the better teams in the NWSL and so to have them at home and to let this you know opportunity to get a point slip certainly hurts but you know is what it is. You got to make the most of your opportunities, and the Pride haven't done that.
1: I wonder what are the the odds of the chances that the Pride prioritize the Challenge Cup or the regular season? Because I, I feel like if you're they, the
0: Pride, you you almost have to, don't you? Because it's kind of like with Orlando well, I mean, in the I'll Open Cup p- last year, where it's like this is this is your opportunity to guarantee yourself getting something out of the season. You got to take it.
1: Because I have. How many games ideally is there how – many, how many games do you need to play to win the, the Challenge Cup? It's, it's no more than, what, six?
0: Well, they're I in, would imagine. Yeah, something like that because it's like group play at first, right? So they've got group play and then – Because
1: I tell you this right now. They don't have the depth to, to rotate no. a team right no. now. They play Wednesday. They may play again this weekend. They don't have the depth. I'm Seb Hines. I I put my best lineup, my my really best lineup on Wednesday and go with it again in the next challenge cup and go with it again and go with it again, go with it again until see how far it can take me. If Pride can win the challenge cup, I think that right there is something you know, uh, uh, it's something accomplishing because I think, you know, it it sets now a little bit of a foundation to build on to next season. Cause I don't think this season is going to have a lot unless it merits it, unless they really do prove a lot of doubters wrong like myself. Um, yeah. But it, it's going to be interesting to see if they, if they, if they, how they juggle about the challenge cup in, in the MWSL regular season, but the challenge cup, there is a lot to play for now. There is that money. um, There is, there is that incentive. um, And if you play your cards, right, you play your right players, you know, you know the the, the trophies there for the taking.
0: Yeah, so it looks like they'll play a maximum of five games. There's the teams are split into three groups of four. Orlando is playing with Gotham, North Carolina, and Washington. Uh, the top team from each group is going to advance to the semifinals. A four team semifinal knockout, um, and then the best second place finisher. So basically, the fifth best team, uh, or the fourth best team in the in the whole thing. will we'll move on. Um, to the semifinals, and then the final. Um, So, I mean, also, these games, they do not have extra time, and the semifinal and final matches drawn during regulation proceed directly to penalty kicks. So, um, the finals, the knockout format will go directly to penalties. These games can't end in ties. So, um, you know, like you said, this is a good opportunity to prioritize it if you're going to get anything, because, listen, I... I'm sure the team is not counting themselves out of playoff contention this early in the season. You'd be kind of foolish, but I think if they're real with themselves, you say maybe this is where our best opportunity to get some some valuable you know wins the season might be. Um,
1: I mean, they already have a lot of allocation money they're sitting on. If they can get yeah. some prize money on top of that, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: so the four to them if they want <laughs> the four semifinal teams will divide the tournaments. $1 million prize pool. So, yeah, 250K uh, on the line of the Pride are w- able to be one of the four teams that advance out of this group stage. So, yeah, a lot to play there. Um, all right. right, let's. Uh, anything else to add to the Pride?
1: Uh, no, no. Obviously, it's, I, I, as, a, as someone that lives in Orlando, I'm, I'm hopeful that they can, they can, you know, be the team that a lot of people aspire them to be. I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Orlando Pride, and... You know, i uh, you know I think every team goes through its own um, hardships. Um, uh, I mean, look at Orlando City. How many years they had to go through losing seasons, um, before they got to you know a consistent playoff performing team. So, mm-hmm. I think the pride is it's it's I think you, you need I think um, fans need to trust the process uh of what the pride are going through. I think Haley Carter, um has is do, is doing a great job in 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 regards to how she envisions this team to be. Um and sometimes the process can be messy. So I think once the uh, you know you go through that process and then everything starts taking form, um obviously the the proof is in the pudding as uh <laughs> as the saying goes. Um so you you can only hope that you know out of this process a, a really great pride team comes out of out of this.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's wrap things up here with Orlando City B. Orlando's best professional outdoor soccer team suffered its first loss this weekend in Atlanta after an undefeated 3-0 start, a 3-1 loss to Atlanta United 2. Uh, Christopher Acuna was the lone goal scorer for the Lions. He converted a penalty kick in the second half of stoppage time, or in second half stoppage time, late to pull one back, but it wasn't enough. OCB suffered their first loss of the year. They are back in action this week, at home at uh, Osceola County Stadium against NYCFC two on Sunday. That match will be at seven o'clock. Not sure why they're playing seven o'clock on a Sunday, but they're gonna do them. Um, so
1: yeah, you know. it's you know I haven't really seen much of the games, but obviously the results are 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 there. They they have been getting some consistent results. Um, compared to how they were last year because they were you know not really that great last year so there's is, there is something that's changed a lot i i can only i can only think that probably the academy um the way it's it's gotten the way the academy has been really taking shape and helping produce these uh players up to ocb Our team martin uh, peralam their their head coach has done a great job in in regards to getting, I guess, the, the the type of identity he wants his team to play. Um, and, obviously, I think there's a little bit of the scouting that goes into, into play as well because they were able to bring some players from South, American, uh, uh, South America again. So, up-and-coming players that, you know, as Ricardo Moreira said last year to me, players that could potentially make the jump to the first team. Obviously, we haven't seen it yet, but obviously that's why OCB is there. If you perform at, at a certain level, you know, you get that chance. Obviously, there are first-teamers that are at OCB right now like thomas williams alex freeman uh you have jack lynn that's been scoring pretty consistently with ocb and it's i think in a way kind of played a really good part with his development whenever he gets looks in the first team so i I think ocbs is is, uh they built that foundation last year and now they're building on that foundation this year and um you know it's 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 really great to see that this team finally take the shape that it's always wanting, always wanted to take, because obviously there's been a lot of roadblocks in the history of OCB. Remember they started, they started in Brevard County that didn't go so well. They went to Mount Academy that didn't go so well, <laughs> and then obviously you created the you, you you put them under one roof in Kissimmee. But then the pandemic happened, and that kind of stalled things a little bit. But now obviously with the pandemic, in the rear view in the rear view mirror, you have now uh, a consistent growth of OCB, and the results are are showing for it.
0: Absolutely, so, uh, like you said, uh, all these guys: Thomas Williams, Alex Freeman, uh, Jacqueline, and Fabian Loyola, all played in this game. Shakhtar Mohammed, Orlando City's draft pick, he was on the bench, did not play in this. He had played in each of the first three games. He's only totaled like sixty minutes, so he's not getting a lot of playing time. Um, oddly enough, and another note: Javier Otero, Orlando City's. Um, he's a. They they have him on a homegrown contract, if I remember, or he's on the pathway like he's he's obviously he's the top a, guy right he's,
1: he's not a homegrown yet okay. but okay. He's, on I put it in that, he's on the path he's on my radar okay the so next he's-
0: he started this game and he actually came out in the 28th minute interestingly enough shortly after uh Atlanta scored in the 25th minute their first goal on a penalty kick I'm so I mean we're recording this and I, as far as I know I haven't I'll have to look into that. I'm not sure it might, he might have suffered an injury in this game.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be interesting. I'll, I'll be able to check on hmm. um, the status of him now that you kind of brought it up. Yeah, and, it doesn't mention it. Twitter, I'll throw it in the Twitter. Twitterverse once I get an update on that. But, um, yeah, no, he's 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 been in excellent form. Uh, and he, he's hit quite a growth spurt as well because I remember when, when – he obviously not. Re- he's really, really tall. For the listeners that have never seen him, he's I think well over six feet tall. He's he's a tall Venezuelan goalkeeper. Um, but uh, three years back, I think he was still still growing, and he's he's definitely he he's definitely taking the form of perhaps the next Orlando City goalkeeper. Um, he he definitely has that. That potential. um, And obviously Orlando likes to sign homegrowns and they haven't really signed a homegrown goalkeeper since Mason Stagidahar back in 2016. So um, maybe it's in the stars this year. Who knows? But it's, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it ends up coming soon, sooner that, rather than later.
0: Yeah, no, he was one of the top goalkeepers in MLS next per last season, especially one of Orlando City B's top players, probably next to Jack. If not for Jack Lynn, I'm trying to remember who the player of the year was, but if not for Jack Lynn, he probably scoring, what, like 12, 15 goals last season. I know he popped off. Um, So if not for him, he probably would have been the standout best player on the team uh, last year. But definitely, like you said, he's on the pathway. Pedro is not going to be here forever. Who knows? How many more years is on his new contract? Did he get like two years? Pedro. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's he he signed the long term. Uh, okay. So he'll be here for yeah, at so least the next couple maybe, least couple, maybe three years.
1: Yeah. He he signed on for. If you uh, if you allow me to to stall for at least ten seconds, I'll I'll get that answer for you right now. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I got it in my little uh, document sheet here. Pedro. He so he's uh, he signed a two year deal with an option for twenty twenty five. Okay. So. Yeah. He's he's here for 2023, 2024. It, obviously his contract ends in 2024, but he has an option for 2025. Um if Orlando exercises it, I would imagine why not, I mean I wouldn't I don't I don't see why not, but he, you know, he he could well be here until 2025. And obviously things happen. Contracts always get renewed. Um and who knows if he's still in that form and they want to keep him long term. But uh obviously Pedro has been <laughs> Pedro's been Pedro. You, you always got to have me, you know, you, you kind of already know he's going to make a, a, a great save. Um, great saves, game in and game out.
0: For sure. Well, something to keep an eye on. Other things to keep an eye on as we wrap this up. All of our game coverage, however, at the OSJ. Like we said, we've got Pride on Wednesday, City and Pride on Saturday. A lot going on this week. Stay tuned. We've got um, Luis Hernandez. Our Pride contributor, he's got his weekly Pride column that is out now, looking back at the weekend, looking ahead to what's coming up next. Go check that out. A lot of information uh, in there as well. And, you know, everything else that we've got going on. So uh, for for Mike Romajo, I'm Gavin Eubank. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Orlando Soccer Show. And we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. All right. Later, guys.